This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi and welcome to episode 5 of Psych for Life with Dr Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr Amanda Ferguson. Today's episode is about finding the right partner, destiny or design. And I'm joined by two of my very good friends, Joe and Tim, married for 23 years. Welcome, Joe and Tim. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Joe, you're a primary school teacher of little kids. That's right. I'm currently teaching Year One, and I have been teaching now for, oh, let's say 25 years. Wow. And Tim, you're an architect of how many years? I've got to count back. Probably 25, I'd say, thereabouts. Yeah. So you're obviously non-health professionals, but you're here today to tell us about your experience of finding each other as the one. So we are today going to talk about finding the right partner for life and whether this happens by destiny or by design. But before we start, I'd better do some due diligence. I've made an assumption that you think you are the right partners for each other due to my personal knowledge of you and because you kindly agreed to do this interview. But just checking, do you think you are the right one for each other? I think so. Yes, yeah, definitely. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got two grown-up children. I'm hoping you've got some tips and even some little-known secrets to pass on to listeners who are still hoping to find the right life partner. I think we do. Um, Possibly it's um, our relationship over the 23 years or perhaps 25 since we've known each other has been a bumpy ride. It's not been a smooth ride and I would um, think that that's probably the case with most people. And it's probably during those hard times of knowing how to deal with those situations. Yeah, and and, and those bumps aren't necessarily generated by our relationship. They're things that are external to it. Tim, we've been friends since we were young teenagers, I think 13 and 14. Yeah, it was 1976, I think the January of 76. What a memory. Yeah, we met... um, down at Balmoral Sailing Club. We and, did. And um, we were fortunate enough to have parents who got us into sailing and uh, they bought us a, a boat called Bluey. That's right. And do you remember? Which is a bit of a tub. It was a complete tub. It was full of wood rot. We used to call it the whale. And do you remember the advertisement they found and they were so beside themselves? So it had brown sails. Brown sails. A blue boat with brown sails. It sounded like swallows and Amazons. And so they went to look at this boat and the boat had brown brand sails. It was, a little, it was a little heron, but it got us hooked, and, and I think we had some great experiences out on the water, and it got pretty pretty hairy sometimes, and it was a very strengthening experience. Independence, I think, is something that sailing really teaches you. And um, resilience. And resilience, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and mateship. And mateship. And quarrels and who yes. wants to be the skipper and who wants to be the forward hand, all that sort of stuff. I seem to remember those quarrels always went one way. <laughs> I don't know why, because I'm not pushy at all. <laughs> not now. You were then. <laughs> so we basically grew up all together almost as siblings and then we flattered together later as mates in early adulthood. Yeah, both in, uh, in Mossman and Stanmore. 
bit yes. later. Stanmore was a bit later. In mm. Sydney, Australia. Yep. Joe, I still remember vividly meeting you when you arrived at Tim's house to go on your first date with him. Your hair was long and dark brown. You were very beautiful, as you still are today. But you looked markedly dubious about the whole thing. I distinctly remember the expression on your face to this day. I think I was. Um, probably because we had friends in common and I was thinking if Tim and I started dating and it didn't work out, then what would happen next? Perhaps yes, yeah. our friendship group would split or things would get quite awkward between us. So that was at stake and that was on my mind. Um, but a girlfriend did say to me, he's gorgeous, go for it. <laughs> Gee, who was that? Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I had to take a chance and it was a risk that I took. Big risk with friends in common like that, a circle of friends. Definitely. I remember you saying some years ago that you also thought Tim was a player. Oh, that's interesting. You don't remember saying that? I don't remember saying that. I, I think one of Joe's very good friends <gasps> oh. said something along the lines of, watch out, Tim's a player. <laughs> and she was, I think she was being very protective of, of, of Joe. Oh. Um, and that um, might have might have sort of had something to do with Joe's um, perhaps... My opinion of you. Or yeah, and, 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 and sort of not wanting to dive in. True. And our first encounter didn't go smoothly. Bit of a funny story, that one. That one is a bit of a funny story. That's many years prior. So um, it was it was this same friend of Joe's 21st, a mutual friend, and uh, we, we met, and I thought Joe was absolutely gorgeous, and I probably... Maybe in trying to um, you know, puff out my chest a bit and show my colours, I may have come across as a little bit of a buffoon. Um, <laughs> but Joe certainly, I think Joe's got stronger words for what she thought of me. Um, well, I think our memories of that first meeting are quite different. You somehow can't seem to remember what you said to me. <laughs> and it was really rude. Actually. Hmm. So we met at um, for drinks first up at um, it was it it was at the incinerator, and uh, Tim, my my brother, introduced me to Tim. He was wearing it was dinner suits and it was um, yeah it was it was we were dressed up, and Tim had all these badges on his lapel from his grandfather and sailing club etc., and um, I made some remark about all his his badges. And he it's hard to imagine that I was festooned with regalia like this, <laughs> but anyway. He immediately took offence to that and swiftly told me that I was only invited because someone couldn't come. <laughs> and that's not me at all. But anyway. But anyway, that's um, how I remember our first meeting. Perhaps alcohol was involved. Perhaps, Probably. perhaps. But we seemed to then catch up at other stages when our friends would get together. Down the track. And Joe, I remember you saying a few day, a few meetings ago that you thought Tim was quite arrogant or something? Yes. Oh, he was. <laughs> he was so arrogant. <laughs> and uh, That's been crushed out of me. <laughs> it's still there, I'm afraid. <laughs> so I guess Tim's a keeper after all, Joe? He definitely is a keeper. 
and we've been able to muddle our way through our relationship over all the years through difficulties. How would you each describe your journey to finding each other and knowing that each was the one for you? Well, I think for me it was quite a degree of perseverance because uh, Joe didn't want to go anywhere near me, you know, that initial meeting. And because of our friendship circle, um, we would occasionally bump into each other, which was great because I had the opportunity to see, opportunity to see Joe. And um, we wouldn't sort of coincide in, in availability, I guess. You know, that was one thing that you've got to sort of factor into all of these things that... Um, you know, well, Joe, we Joe were both going out with different partners at different stages, so that was obviously um, something that was that got in the way. Um, I think our relationship um, was not linear to start off with, and it was not obvious. Yeah, yeah. So when did you know and how did you know that this was it? I think, looking back, it was basic, um, being able to see things the same way as each other and being able to talk and listen to each other as well. We were able to have that mutual respect and I think that was quite important. Apart from attraction, of course, but we also you need to have some sort of common ground and um, I thought that we definitely had that. Yeah. Yes. It was sort of a stability with our, um, I think, just our general outlook and, and perhaps our values. We had similar values. And, Tim, you seem to have known before Joe knew. Um, well, Joe kept on popping up. Um, that was the thing. <laughs> you know? And so it seemed, yeah, we're talking about destiny and, and, and design. So I don't know that I believe in, in both singly. But um, I think for jo with, with, with Joe, um, there was certainly a bit of destiny happening because she would just reappear in my life. And you know, some people might say, well, that's designed because it was family, uh, friends that uh, brought us together. But we did keep seeing each other. And I think sort of a little bit like water on a stone, I wore her away until <laughs> she thought, oh, God, you know. <laughs> I can't get rid of him. I can't get rid of him. I'll give him a go. <laughs> what about your experiences in love before getting together that may have helped you to find or recognise each other as the right partner? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because for me, I had a couple of um, long-term boyfriends. Uh, the first boyfriend I ever had was very serious. I was 18 to 21 and he wanted to marry me and settle down and get the house and the boat and the kids and the, the whole thing. And at that time it really freaked me out and I thought, I'm not ready for this. So then I swung like a pendulum in the other direction and went out with um, a, a boy who was, into, he was a masseuse and he was into Buddhism and into meditation, and we decided to travel to Southeast Asia on our spiritual journey. And that was just a real swing for me. Um, and we broke up as well after three years or so. And then I thought then I needed something else. And 
That's when Tim sort of stepped into the picture. For me, it was um, a case of, I think, previous relationships should show me what I didn't want. So um, and one of those was reasonably long-term, probably a couple of years. I don't think I had very many very long relationships, but um, it was one of the more serious ones. But that person was quite needy. So I sort of felt that the relationship was always going to be imbalanced, that I was going to be putting in most of the time and being the supporter. Whereas with Jo, I think she, she has a, a quiet strength about her that... Um, I could see would stead, put us in good stead for, 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 for the future. And that was really important to me, that we both contribute an equal amount of uh, stability and resilience to the relationship, that we weren't, um, we weren't leaning on each other too much. And other influences for people often is parents, grandparents, those kinds of examples of relationships that we experience as children and then as adult children may react to um, or find ourselves gravitating to something similar. Tim, your parents did divorce. I forget how old you were. About 23, yeah. 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 So they'd had a, a rocky relationship probably maybe even 10, 15 years before that. So um, that was a very difficult time and I think in, in it, it's only in retrospect, that I realise how hard it was. Um, and it certainly didn't give me any sort of guidelines on how a relationship should be. So there was no... Uh, I didn't learn by watching them um, because it wasn't a good relationship. So... But I think I think we just... Somehow, I, I had very good grandparents who um, probably modelled more what a good relationship is. And I was fortunate enough to, to spend a bit of time with both both sets. Um, but, yes, it was really not... Uh, it wasn't the environment that uh, allowed me to see what a relationship is. Perhaps it made you even more, whether it's conscious or unconscious, but more um, aware, as you said, of the inequality of the previous relationship and why you were conscious of needing more equal partnership and, as Joe, you said, respect, do you think? Um, I, th I think there was definitely... I could see Joe's strength uh, very, very early on because she said no so many times. You know, that was, <laughs> that was part of it. Not that I think I'm irresistible, but... You're making uh, me sound so mean. No, you're not mean, but... Uh, she she had her own she had her own agenda and she wanted what she wanted and I think I, you know I really found that attractive. Mm. Perhaps it was more a timing issue with us as well, and maybe waiting till I felt ready for that commitment to our relationship was important because um, if we got together earlier, maybe we wouldn't have lasted. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. So yeah. I had to feel ready. And maybe subconsciously I knew that you were the right one for me and I just had to do what I had to do. I had to travel. I had to make sure I started my career and was off to a start and then financially as well. So there's probably issues at play there that 
I might have seemed like I wasn't interested, but it was maybe more of a readiness for me. Yeah, and, and was, you, you wanted to do your own thing, which was, which was great. Yeah. yeah. That sounds, Joe, a bit like a mix of design and destiny too. Yes, yes. Research shows that compatibility is important, as you mentioned, Joe. that opposites attract, but they tend not to work. It's the similarities that work. And to me, you do both seem very similar. You're both professionals, teacher and architect. You have similar ethics in that case for that reason. Mm-hmm. Your values, your lifestyle preferences. Do you think this is so? Do you think this is true that you are similar? I believe we are similar. Uh, fundamentally, I think uh, we have the same ideas on um, raising our children and we stand side by side with our decisions about that. And even money, we never fight. It's just, it's very easy. We we just do what we have to we, do. We spend it carelessly. <laughs> <laughs> We're not terribly good savers, but I think we both understand that we have our weaknesses. And, um, we, yeah, we agree on a lot of things. We agree where to save and, and we agree when, where to spend. When we don't agree, we listen to each other. And I think that's really important because we often will agree to disagree and then we'll talk it through. And there's that talking and listening that make our relationship work because neither of us will just disagree and walk away and, and, and go into a sulk. We will thrash it out. And we do disagree on quite a lot. We do. This is remarkable. I mean, wow. We don't have... Yeah, we have similar opinions on some things, but on others we don't. But we also support each other and guide each other. I asked him um, his advice about certain things, um, difficulties that might arise... Uh, at work or with the children or with relationships, friendships. And I always find Tim has really solid, um, well-thought-out um, advice. It's, it's always, it's always uh, he's, he's very kind and it'll always have a very kind um, element to it. And I really appreciate and respect that information and that advice that he gives to me. So, yeah. Similarly, Joe um, does. Sometimes there are scenarios that I, I can't fathom how we will work, work through them, how we'll get to get to the end. But Joe is very good at unpicking it and putting up uh, solutions. Uh, it's quite amazing sometimes. And she has perspectives where I'll be on the opposite side of the the room in in view, but she will discuss and she will bring it round and I will be on the same same side of the fence with her. Too many mixed metaphors there, I'm sorry. But um, she's, she, she really does have an insight. So I think, you know, often we, um, we probably are a bit of a muddle individually, but by talking it through, we both can give advice and insight that the other doesn't have at that particular time. Which does hark back to that early connection when you found that each other was the right one. The friendship that was there right from the beginning, the respect, seems to have travelled with you throughout the course of the relationship. Definitely, yeah. yes. And I, and I think uh, 
don't know whether we want to talk about it now, but time has thrown up a lot of issues for us and a lot of probably drama that um, might have tested tested the relationship and I'd imagine a lot of other relationships might have gone under, but I think because we, as we, as we were discussing earlier, we do have that ability to unpick a problem and come to the same sort of conclusion most of the times. We will disagree about something. But things. also having each other makes us stronger. So you're better together than Absolutely. separate. Mm, that's a good point. Does it make more sense that you're compatible now with hindsight or is it as obvious to you now as it was back then? Oh, definitely more obvious to us now. Um, at the start, look, at the start of a relationship, you never really know what you're in for. And there's that, um, the unknown. You, you have to be in a relationship ultimately before you know how that person um, ticks or how they how you, you don't really understand that person until you're with them and then you can find out what they're about and so it's a bit of a journey along that pathway are we suited you don't know at first you yes. just have to take the risk it's a real leap of faith I think to commit I remember that day when you did both commit very clearly to this day mm. your wedding day Beautiful day. Do you feel like you need to keep working at the relationship or growing in order to stay each other's right partner or do you think the initial connection ties you over in difficult times? I think we keep growing automatically. It, it, life is never static. Um, there's always something changing. There's always something going on. There's always new challenges. There's time to reflect. There's time to be active. So I think we're always working as a partnership, as a team, uh, to to deal with what uh, life throws at us. So I think we're always, um, always evolving. Research shows that compatibility is also about having the same goals, where you want to be in life and where you want to end up in life, even though we may take different paths to get there. Do you feel that's been the case for you so far? I think so. We have similar goals in the sense that we have very similar ideas on how we raise our children, what our expectations are of our kids. Also, we both allow our children to be individuals and who they are rather than try and mould them into something that they're not. Um, certainly, we've um, had... Um, Lots of you know, challenges with both of them, really, as they've grown up. But we hold steady and we prize their individuality. I think Joe has extraordinary innate abilities at mothering. It's like she wrote the book on it. Oh, no. It's amazing. And no, the, the way, don't disagree with me, because I think the way she has brought up our children is a model to, to everyone on the planet. No. Like, it's, in my opinion, it's oh, I agree. Fantastic. I agree. I've seen the difficulties and I've seen how you just knew what to do and you turned. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and Jo continues to be there for them um, and what she puts in to the sacrifice of... She doesn't just plonk down in front of the TV and say, look, 
go and sort yourselves out. She is there. She is switched on for them 24-7. So it's amazing. It really is. Well, I basically think mothering is lifelong. It'll, it's something I do for my whole life. It's not something I ever give up on. And um, I think being present and connected to my kids is the most important thing in my life, really. Um, to raise human beings that are good people um, is my goal. How has finding each other and feeling you are the right person for each other influenced other areas of your lives? I guess you've already mentioned that you feel you're better together than separate and you resolve problems together. Mm. Um, Has it had other positive and even negative effects in your lives? Are there downsides to feeling that you are in it together? I think for me, um, I've always put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed in my career. And Joe has been able to, because I'm not necessarily comfortable every time I'm in a job or at work, I think Joe has given me the, the perspective to say, well, it's not the defining part of you. The, the job is not who you are. There are other aspects to you. You're, you're, you're bigger than just that. So it's, it's allowed me to, to, to navigate and to change careers when I need to within, within architecture, and she's supported all of my... Um, all of my moves, which I think has been a, a fantastic thing for me because um, otherwise I'd be very hard on myself. But, you know, it's not a bit of roses. Tim still doesn't get personal space. <laughs> you mean he doesn't understand what it is? No. <laughs> and I have taught 22 seven-year-olds all day. I come home. I'm exhausted. And Tim's sitting in his little corner in COVID, doing his work online. It's known as the cupboard. he chases me around and wants to talk to me. I don't want to talk to him. (laughs) I've I've learnt this now. I need half an hour just to sit down, have a cup of tea. And then Tim looks hurt (laughs) and and looks like I'm being mean to him or... And he still, to this day, doesn't get that. And I have tried my hardest to say, don't take it personally... I've been switched on for six hours straight. I need to stop. I need to, I need to just not talk to anyone. And then you'll go, okay then. Well, when you're feeling like it and you walk off dejected. I really think she needs to hold up a big sign. <laughs> so there are, it's not smooth sailing. There aren't always, it doesn't always. No, it's, you don't it, always get me. I no, perhaps don't no. get you sometimes. Yeah, we do tread on each other's toes, that's for sure. Yeah. And as we said, we, we, have, we have our little disagreements. Well, we know with marriages from research that there does come a time when we have to differentiate. Um, people often separate at that point. So at what point do you think you went through the turning point, the twist of, as they say, the course of true love never runs smoothly? I think perhaps um, we had um, birth difficulties with Tom and uh, he was born premature, sick, and then I was sub- subsequently um, left with diabetes type 1. And um, that's been a bit of a hell ride, to be honest. And I think in understand- for a partner to understand um, my health, my chronic health situation, it can, be, it can be quite challenging, and challenging for him and challenging for me. 
Um, so, yeah, it doesn't run smoothly. Absolutely. So that is a significant change for any relationship when one partner's needs increase uh-huh. or even both needs are increasing. I remember at that point when you had to start injecting yourself mm. with insulin, which is w- what has to happen for type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And that must have been hard for the children to watch as they grew older. Um, I don't think their kids were aware of that. It was more having the responsibility of two small children and, um, you know, being in the middle of pushing a pram up a street and going low. And at that point, your um, ability to um, awareness um, is lost and um, you're in a bit of a muddle. So as your so, insulin goes, sorry, as your as ins- you as your yes, as you drop below four, um, and it can happen fairly quickly, um, and then you'd have these two little babies, and I'd be pretty much having to work out, you know, what to do with myself and how to uh, pick myself up and eat something or whatever before I collapsed. Yes, and um, yeah, I think. Um, that was a real challenge in the early stages because I didn't know what I was doing and I had no support. Wow, mm. that's horrendous, Joe. Mm. So raising two kids is hard enough. Yeah. And then there was the layer of diabetes on top mm. and then there was another layer of Joe really not getting a lot of support. No. So how did you support Joe in that time, Tim? Uh, well, I think in retrospect I probably could have done more, um, but I was working full-time and that sort of meant that a big chunk of the day I wasn't there. So I do know that when I got home at 6 o'clock or thereabouts, Joe would hand me these two small children and say, bath them, bed them, do all the, do, 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 do everything you need with them because she'd, I think, had enough and uh, it was really my time to take over. But those few hours every evening don't really compensate for the, the big chunk of the work that Joe did at that time. So um, I think diabetes is is a very hard disease for an outsider to really understand and empathise with. Um, I can see what Joe has to do regularly and, and the toll it takes on her consciousness. She's, she's always having to think about her sugar levels. It's something with us that... that, that that those of us with pancreases that work just take for granted that we can have a chocolate bar and we're going to be okay. For Jo, she's got a plan ahead. Uh, every meal, every every moment of the day is 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 governed by food, her, food, insulin, food, and it's, it's a it's exercise. A, it's How a much terrible have I walked? Have I got jelly beans on me? Am I going to be okay? It's um constantly there. Yeah, and and having children. Um, the moment Joe switches off and relaxes and doesn't keep her diabetes front of mind, that's when she can go, go low and that's, that's causing damage. Or, or you go the other way, you go high and you also have complications that you think about as well, like your eyesight or your kidneys or um, your, your, your limbs. <laughs> but um, I, um, I, I try to think positively about it because I don't think there's any other way to, to view it. So instead of making it my enemy, I'll make it my friend. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be alive. That's so courageous, Jo. Oh, look, I think it's just, um, I think life throws things at you. That's one thing that I've had. And, um, 
Yeah, it's not going to it's not going to be knock me over just yet anyway. Good on. <laughs> it might down the track, but there's, not right there's now. There's too many adventures to have. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. And this week is National Diabetes Week in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, I think that um, any support that can go towards Diabetes Australia would be wonderful. I know that there's um, a lot of um, new things that need to happen for people in my situation. Um, you know, monitors are now being um, made to help diabetes diabetics but um, unfortunately they come at a high cost and um, for me to wear the latest monitor um, the Dexcom it would cost perhaps I think it's over a hundred dollars a week and I I actually can't afford it so um, I'm unable to use it. So it's a crazy situation where the technology is available to make people like Joe's life a lot easier but it is just out of her reach, mm. our reach, to do that. Uh, so government really needs to get behind making these, these products available on the subsidised system. Many marriages, of course, are rocked by major events like this, and it's a testament to your marriage, Joe and Tim, that it, has, it seems it has only strengthened you as a couple. Of course, there are differences in any couple, no matter how similar they may seem to be, what are some of the differences you feel you both have and how does that impact your relationship positively? And you've touched on how it impacts sometimes negatively that you do step on each other's toes. I think we have very diverse interests, and I'm talking hobbies. Um, Joe allows me to pursue my hobbies and interests very actively and she doesn't judge she might roll her eyes occasionally but she doesn't judge she lets me take up photography she lets me potter on my cars she she does all that she understands that that's a really good release and it's a it's a sanity mechanism for me Uh, and similarly joe has some very specific interests uh, that she likes to pursue and i'm i encourage those absolutely i think couples need time apart and they need to have their own interests, and I think that's what keeps a marriage healthy. So Tim having his pottering on his cars, on his old cars, and his contact with um, some interesting people. It opens up many, <laughs> um, many new chapters and vistas. And then for me, I would I, I, I quite like pottery and um, ceramics, sculpture. And um, I, um, I enjoy doing those things independently of Tim. So I think that's probably a very healthy relationship, keeping a healthy relationship going. Yes, it's, it's very important to be active about having time apart. So Joe went out for dinner last night with some girlfriends. I always encourage that. It allows her to do her own You're thing. You're sounding jealous. I'm never, je- <laughs> never jealous. I'll stay in my cupboard. <laughs> Um, but yes, she she goes out and enjoys herself, and then I can I can do what I like, which is which is a really really good balance. Well, I think you're more of a solitary character, uh, whereas yes, I, I don't I don't need the socialisation. I do. Does. I really need that connection to other people. It's really important for me, mm. and you don't need it as much. But um, I do need it, but not the same not extent. to the same extent. Mm. That's a wonderful complementation, 
and recognition of each other's differences in your sociability and how you reconcile that. We've talked a bit about values and research shows that sharing values, similar values, is really important. As you mentioned, finances, also sex, religion, cultural backgrounds. Are there any of these areas or other value areas where you feel you are different? Perhaps perspectives on um, certain things at times. Not always, but we do see things differently. Um, For example, Tim won't let me get a dog, and I'd love to get a dog. (laughs) Tim doesn't like cats, and I can't get a cat. They kill birds. Oh, stop it. It's just, it's so sad that we have these differences and we can't seem to reconcile those. Why can't you go back to having another bunny? Oh, we have a goldfish and it's very, <laughs> no, very low bunnies, demand. We're done with bunnies. We've had, two, we've had two of them. We've had, if you add the years together, probably 17 years of bunnies. Something a little bit more interactive. And oh, we're getting to the stage in our lives where our kids are getting older. They're adults, adult children now. And it would be lovely to have an animal, but um, anyway, that's something we'll, to work on. We'll take on. that one offline. <laughs> you may need a couple <laughs> counselling after all. We that's, may do. Right. We may do. Your children are now reaching an age, I guess, where they're thinking of moving out at some point and your relationship will enter a new stage of empty nest. Have you been talking about this? Have you got plans for how you will manage this new phase of your relationship? We haven't talked about it, but we have sort of thought along the lines individually of what we're going to do with ourselves once we do get to the stage where the kids are no longer living at home and maybe perhaps we're not working and it would be just pursuing our interests. Um, But um, as a couple without the kids at home... um, there's a real different dynamics and sure we're going to have to reevaluate not driving each other crazy because when there's other adults in the house it gives uh, a different dimension to relationships so when they're not going to be there I might not I might not like you anymore <laughs> So I'll be Sorry, encouraging the kids to I'll be encouraging them to stay home until they're 50 in that case. <laughs> No. But it's a fair point. Um, it, it really, we have a, a very good dynamic with the kids at home. Um, and changing that will force us to look at how we re- relate, won't it? Relate to each other as, yeah. as, as partners. And what Definitely. we do. It's a new phase, I suppose. Because oh. a lot of what we do at the moment it revolves around kids. And you know, I say kids, but uh, they're getting older. But a lot of... Our day-to-day mm. routine is kid-related. And I don't think you can plan for your future in that way. I think it's just a, a, a getting there and then working it out as we go. But but we do, by example, know that older people that don't have interests and um, friendship groups face difficulties. So I think it's really important. We, we talk about this quite regularly, that what we do now is important for 20 or 30 years' time. The foundations we lay now with friends and activities and our interests will be very important down the track. 
Well, you've certainly overcome much bigger obstacles and hurdles than older age and empty nest, and I'm sure you'll absolutely ace this next phase of life. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that confidence, yeah. (laughs) Tim, do you think that your persistence in such an early stage of the relationship set the foundation and the slow way that the relationship evolved with this more traditional dating set the success of the long-term relationship? Well, I certainly know that if I hadn't persevered, we wouldn't be sitting here today. You might be talking with me and somebody else about something totally different. Um, But the perseverance is, in our situation, was just fundamental to um, us ultimately becoming a a couple. Uh, if, If I hadn't gone back to Joe on numerous occasions. I don't know that uh, she would have pursued me. So I, that sounds so mean. Maybe, maybe I can rephrase that. Um, you were persistent and I think that um, I was then able to look at you again and again and, and realise, hey, this guy, he really likes me. I, I should really... I should really reconsider my thoughts and um, and uh, just perhaps take a chance, go out with him yeah. and see what he's like. Because Jo was a very hard nut to crack. She was, and and that was part of the attraction that she was aloof. She was hard to hard to pin down. There was something about her because she wasn't a pushover that made her even more attractive. I think that was. Part of the part of the mystery of of, of our relationship was that uh, that Joe just wasn't ready to to dive into anything. She was really, I think, she was very protective of herself, and that was part of part of her um, initial reluctance. And I think that well, that sort of filtering process for her meant that she was in a better place to make the right decision about a long term relationship. But it was probably our age as well, because I was. 28 I think at the time and um, I wasn't about to go into a relationship with somebody that I thought wasn't going to be for life and that wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to muck around. I really wanted to make sure in my head that um, you were going to be the right person and that you were going to stick around and that we could make a life together. So um, I probably had all those things going on in my head, rather than just feeling like I just wanted to flit around and, you know, go from relationship to relationship. I really wanted to make sure I had stability. Stability is probably one of the main things I was thinking about. Um, I wanted to also make sure that I really felt strong emotions about you and that um, you did for me as well. And I think you were... You also had that particular friend who said, oh, look, he's just a player and you wanted to make sure that that wasn't the case. And so not jumping in straight away probably gave you some, you you were able to do a little bit of investigation, test the waters. And relationships are such hard work, we know, even though yours doesn't sound like it's been hard work by comparison to a lot of relationships that I see, the divorce rate is pretty high. Um, This must be 
very inspirational for younger generations, I would have thought, to have this much more conscious, slow, traditional dating process Mm. to make sure it is the right one, Mm. given how much is riding on it. True, true. Um, I think... um I think it is important for people not to just jump into relationships. But I also feel quite strongly about valuing yourself as a person and not just taking anything that comes your way. And I certainly um, thought about that as well. I wasn't just going to be um, taken up in a current of, of lust and and uh, and see where it ended up I wanted to make sure that I had that I had the attraction but I also had other components that would make for a long-term relationship so you've both got children who are still forming or finding forming relationships or finding the right partner what are your three most important tips you'd offer to listeners and any other secrets I could offer one tip and that is very much to make up your own mind about that person. Don't be influenced by what your mother thinks, what your father thinks, what your next-door neighbour thinks, because it's it's your decision ultimately. And while those views can be very powerful, you really need to be strong enough to make the call yourself. And I'm going to add to that, to be really honest with each other, right from the get-go. And if you're feeling there's something not going right you've got to be able to verbalize it and discuss it and um, if you can't do that perhaps that person's not right for you i think that's a good point because we haven't allowed any things to fester we've got problems out in the open we've we've talked about them we've talked about how we do that earlier in the conversation um, and we've resolved things and it's interesting though because we've modeled that and I feel with our two children, who are both in relationships now, our son's been going out with his girlfriend for nearly three years, and our daughter's nearly two years with her, her boyfriend. Um, and we've, I, I, I suppose they've, um, they've seen how we've dealt with being upfront and honest, and we talk about things. And I can see that they're carrying on those same traits with their current partners. And I think that's a very healthy thing to do. And perhaps they're still only young, but perhaps that's why they're still with the person they're with. After speaking with you, Joe and Tim, it sounds like your relationship started with a sprinkling of destiny, but it's been built mostly by design and the active decisions you've made throughout your relationship. I think you are both definitely wonderful role models, which is why I selected you for this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you both, Joe and Tim, very much for sharing. Yes, thank you for sharing so much wonderful information and help for people. Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you for having us. Really good. Thank you. Great pleasure. Thank you. Please note any references to people, stories, or scenarios mentioned in this podcast are an amalgamation of experiences. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes.